I've been waiting 23 years to say that. Hopefully we have better luck recording, or hopefully I, rather, have better luck recording this episode than I did recording Two Broke Geeks, because something was going on with my computer that day, and, like, whole, like, my speech jumped here and there. Like, during the introduction, you didn't even hear me say my name and stuff like that. Oh, really? Wow. Yep. But since it is, uh, since we are recording this on St. Patrick's Day, I might as well talk like a stereotypical leprechaun for the entire can, episode. Can you, can you not? <laughs> stop no, me right I there. I really, Bad you know, idea. I, I really could stop. I could not keep that going for very long. <sighs> are you sexing that girl right now? No. <laughs> what are you talking about? I was hoping you would say yes, and that way everybody could know. This is the FBI's most unwanted. I'm mad. I'm Justin. Now, I oh, and before we begin, well, I I brought ahead. it up on per. I I sort of brought it up on purpose. Oh. Because well, I I sort of said that on purpose because it ties into today's episode. <laughs> the idea of oh, okay. Me. Well, yeah. I was, before we get into it, I was going to talk about last week's episodes. <laughs> mm. Because I did post a yeah. little uh, stopgap. I post a little posted a little thing explaining what oh, happened. Oh, you did? But okay. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I, I did a little like 10 minute thing where I was like, hey, uh, this happened. Uh, here's what we thought of the episode. And if you want us to go back over the whole episode again, we will. But for now, this is what we're doing because we both didn't feel like watching it another time. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know if I could get through that episode a third time. Yeah, yeah. So this week we're going to talk about, uh, well, Justin Sexting. No, we're going to talk about... uh, My dad listens to this, and she listens to this. I know. Hi, Phil. Justin Sexts. I bet you didn't know that. You know, your your grown son. No, she also listens to this. Oh, hi, girl that I've never met. Hi, woman that I've never met before. Nice to meet you. I'm Matt. Uh, I don't know what else to say about myself other than that I do this weird X-Files show. And um, yeah, so we're going to talk about internet dating. Yeah. (laughs) Because the episode today is Too Shy, uh, which focuses on internet dating. Uh, It is season three, episode six. Uh, this was directed by David Nutter. It was written by Jeff Vlamming, who actually only ever wrote one other episode of the show, which we'll get to uh, later on this season called Hell Money, which uh, we'll talk about that when we get there. Um, Sounds like a great title, at least. It is a great title for an episode that is... um, not bad exactly, but a little bit uh, mediocre um, is really what it comes down to. But we can talk about that episode later on this season. Um, so behind the scenes of this episode, uh, 
the idea came from Jeff Flaming, who wrote it. He initially had the idea of a mutant who fed on body oils, uh, which was eventually changed to body fats. And it was actually uh, pretty reminiscent of the episode Squeeze with... Uh, uh, actually, Squeeze and Tombs, Eugene Tombs, who had to eat livers. He yeah. was, um, if you remember. Um, and he initially went through some kind of weird permutations. Uh, initially, he w- the villain was conceived as a creepy Phantom of the Opera-like recluse, which they kind of kept part of in this episode. And also as a butcher who would be able to cut the fat out of his victims uh, before finally just becoming this sort of normal looking dude with like this mutant ability. Um, There are some pretty good uh, visceral kind of gross out moments in this episode, which director David Nutter made sure to include. He really liked them. Um, and Frank Spotness, who is the series story editor, he was initially uh, a little bit concerned that the concept of the episode might be seen as offensive, uh, and we can maybe talk about why, but he eventually changed his mind. Uh, Chris Carter sort of talked him into it and it, told this him This episode a idea, so. reminded me of a movie called Society a little bit. I've never seen it. What's that it's one? It's pretty gross. Uh, it's uh, basically a horror. It's a gro- It's a body horror film where uh, high society aliens basically uh, melt their bodies together in an orgy uh, to consume people that they choose to. Uh, they choose as victims, which are usually lower class. Interesting. It's very gross. Huh. Society, that's called? It's called Society, yeah. I might have to check that out. Uh, I'm telling you right now, do not eat anything liquidy, (laughs) like cheese or macaroni and cheese. Like, don't eat anything like that soup while you're watching this. (laughs) Okay. Uh, One more quick, fun, uh, behind-the-scenes story. Uh, The episode was, of course, filmed in Vancouver, like most of the early X-Files. And they were using two apartment buildings for the interior shots. And uh, Duchovny's body double, Steve Kiziak, this was actually his first episode, and they were filming a scene in which Mulder has to burst through a door and Kiziak and the other people in the scene, because they were using real apartment buildings for the interior, they burst through the wrong apartment's door and into the middle of a tenant's dinner party. <laughs> yes. Oh, is this tonight's entertainment? <laughs> Which is pretty funny. Can you imagine all these people? <laughs> FBI, FBI. Oh, I think that would be I, that would make the especially <laughs> if it was a bar. Like I think that would liven up a dinner party. Yep, everybody in the dinner party just shits their pants all at yeah. once ah! because they're afraid the FBI is coming in. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Okay. 
so yes, this episode it takes place in Cleveland. Uh, in the opening scene, there is a couple. They're sitting and they're flirting in a car. They're like parking. Oh um, man, do you remember parking? No, I actually never got to do anything in a like that. Oh. <laughs> that's not true uh when i met leanne we would sometimes after work just sit in a car and make out so I've, that's not true i've done the parking before too oh um the man his we find out his name is virgil Encanto. great name um played by a guy called timothy carhart uh and i couldn't figure out i guess he was on uh, a couldn't recognize him necessarily but i looked him up and apparently he was on crime scene uh uh, i was about to call it crime scene investigation but he was on csi um so yes he suffocates his date lauren by spitting up this goop he just opens his mouth and it's like yeah spit on me daddy (laughs) <laughs> reminds me of the end of the South Park quarantine special or uh, the, vaccination the special two people where the guys spit in each other's yeah. mouths to celebrate being vaccinated. We did it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I actually like this scene. Like, there is some. It's a pretty good horror scene when he just goes all mutant on her and spits the shit on her face, and then like the car is like rocking or whatever from the outside. Pretty good horror. Pretty good little horror scene. Uh, then the next morning, a policeman finds the car, looks inside, sees the body, and it is just covered in this goop and t- decayed away um, to, like, pretty much nothing, really. Like, yeah, um, she's nothing but bone and goo. Some muscle tissue yeah. and some goo, yeah. So these Cleveland cops, they call in mulder and scully because mulder at this point has a reputation for being uh able to figure out some weird stuff or being interested in weird stuff and also the description kind of matches well actually we don't find this out uh right away because they come in they find this body in the car and they're like whoa and the cop's like yeah we're not even quite sure it's her we've got a there's not enough left to be able to to be sure but we're pretty sure it's her we're gonna figure it out and then Mulder is the one who says to scully um that it matches uh, some descriptions like her description and the modus operandi here matches other victims of a Lonely Hearts serial killer who is still at large. Lonely Hearts serial killer obviously being someone who picks up women looking to date. Um, heart. That's all it plays. Much better than the owner of a broken heart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Scully, she goes to attempt to perform an autopsy on Lauren's body, but when she walks over to the cooler that Lauren's body is being kept in, there's liquid running out of Can it. Can we talk about first before that? Um, mm-hmm. This episode got weird to begin with because the detective seems to have a thing against women. Oh, yes. There's a he whole interaction. Like, He's like, oh, you, you came to watch? No, I'm performing the autopsy. He's like, oh. You're a doctor? Yeah. Oh, I don't oh. 
I don't, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm old-fashioned, but I think there's, like, a nature to this crime that, like, a woman shouldn't be investigating it. Like, won't that, be, won't you be biased because of it? Because you're a woman? Because you're a woman? And she's like, no. <laughs> Although I think we've talked about it before, uh, the Scully effect. Yeah. And how Scully being, like, a prominent... A uh, woman in science in the medical field inspired a lot of young women to go into science and medicine. Which is great. But it, mm-hmm. I, and I know that's kind of the point of this episode, of, of like at least a portion of some of these episodes. But it's mm-hmm. like so, it's just bizarre because it's like the exact same conversation she had with someone with, the, with another cop like three yeah. episodes ago. Well, also, you know what it reminded me of, uh, only because I watched this movie not that long ago. You remember in Silence of the Lambs when they go to the funeral parlor and they're going to investigate that woman's body and one of the cops in that town in, uh, I feel like it's Baltimore or something, is like, no, it's a southern town, so I guess it's like in Virginia somewhere, and one of the cops says to Clarice's boss, he's like, Oh, shouldn't she like, shouldn't we like yeah. take this away from the woman or something like, you know, like something like that. It kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Um, so yeah, uh, there's liquid leaking out of the, um, container. Oh man. Who hasn't <laughs> had that problem before? Am I right, boys? I don't know what you're, ta- <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. What? I, um, she opens the, the the cooler, the tray, and she slides it out, and the entire body has been liquefied, except the skeleton, which she also notes has become spongy. It's not, like, hard and brittle anymore. It's spongy. Yeah. And she determines that that is because the body was covered in... Digestive enzymes. Mm, delicious. Um, yeah. And Mulder's like, oh, um, did you analyze the the contents? Like, was everything there? And she's like, well, as far as I could tell, he's like, well, no. Like, was the chemical makeup proper? And she's like, well, no, it was missing some fatty acids. And Mulder is immediately like, aha. So he covers it in the digest. So the person covers it in the digestive enzyme and sucks away the fat. What if we're talking about a meat? He like, knows. it's another Fox moment where he's just like, I know exactly what's happening. What if the, what if it's like a mutant offshoot of the human? And what if he's lacking some sort of essential fatty, fatty acid in his, and he can't get it through normal food. So he has to attack the woman and he has to cover in the digest. He has to suck away the fatty acid and just leave the rest. (laughs) You know, Fox, uh, that might be it. Uh, I have a feeling you might be onto something there. (laughs) Yep. And uh, then we kind of find out that uh, this Virgil Encanto guy, he prowls internet chat rooms looking to meet uh, essentially just lonely, overweight women who think they're not going to be able to get a date which is what uh, we talked about earlier when we talked about how Frank Spotnitz was like, this might like offend some people. And Chris Carter was like, no, it's actually a good story because like, look at how this woman comes out in the end kind of deal. Yeah. And it's, uh, well, not only that, but like the thing with vault, because back in the day with, with all these different like uh, web browsers that you could use for, mm-hmm. 
hookups and stuff like that. It was an extremely dangerous situation. Totally. Because you had no, yeah. like, now you can pretty much track anyone. You can, like, you, there's mm-hmm. so many ways you can keep yourself safe. But back then, it's like, no, you went out on a limb uh, right. if you were going to go meet some stranger. Right. This show wasn't, like, attacking or, you know, uh, this episode necessarily wasn't attacking internet dating or women who internet date or uh heavyweight women he went after heavyweight women because he was they had just physiologically they had what this mutant wanted which was body fat and also it was the idea was just like okay like online dating could be a good thing like this woman had the potential to go out and meet this really nice guy but like hey be careful and also listen when your friend tells you hey like maybe just be careful out there you know yeah um so uh he meets this new woman her name is ellen kaminsky and he's like chatting with her online and um he gets a knock at his door and this is where we get like this whole i get it it's this weird little subplot this is how they catch him, but like he gets interrupted by his landlord, uh, Monica Landis, who thinks he's a writer and also has a big old crush on him, and is like, "Hey, like, mind if I know I'm what a, you do? I'm a writer too. Can you come I think over? You're an and... editor. <laughs> yeah, you're an editor, right? Like at first I thought you were a writer, but now I think maybe you're an editor. And I write poems. Do you want to look at them? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to read them and tell me if they're good? Oh, yes. Please tell me. <laughs> and he, and he, he's like, yeah, sure. Slide him under the door. I'm busy. <laughs> Bang. <laughs> and but he plays a really good creepy dude. Yeah, he really does. Because he just like peeks his head out and he's just like, what? And she's like, here's, here's another package for you. <laughs> I have a box for you. <laughs> um, and he is apparently interested in Italian literature. Uh, and we find out a little while later why, but he like opens this Italian literature book and he's all like, Oh, this is awesome. And he later on, uh, we go back and Mulder it, is interviewing Lauren, the victim from the beginning. He's interviewing her best friend or her roommate. I think it's her I... best friend. No, it's her roommate because uh, because and I I kind of was a, this was another weird thing because they're like talking about. It's like yeah, she was so nervous, but he seemed like so sweet. He like you no, know, she was nervous because yeah. she was big. Yeah, and like. He, but he'd write some beautiful literature to her. Oh, Tushai wrote her like these beautiful messages. That I happen to have. Wait, what? <laughs> right. He goes, oh, did Lauren keep them? And she's like, no, but I did. Yeah. And I was like, you kept like things that a man wrote to your roommate? That's, yeah, that's a red, that's a weird red flag. <laughs> Super weird. Just in case things don't fall through, maybe I can swoop in and take over. Yeah. Uh, so they find uh, what service he was using. 
and they look they contact the service and they find out that he paid for this online dating service this online chat room using the credit card of one of the previous murder victims and they're like aha this is definitely the same guy that sucks the body fat out of women <laughs> um, so Mulder kind of puts the word out on like the news or whatever hey there is a serial killer in the area he's probably targeting women through you know dating services online like be careful stay home if you have like an internet date until this until we catch him and of course ellen's best friend is like it was on the news like they just said it you don't, don't want me to be happy i know i can take care I'm of myself gonna... that basically it like i'm a grown-ass woman i can <laughs> oh god that just reminded me of something <laughs> i saw a web comic the other day that was a woman like peeking into a room and she was like you want some help with that and there's a speech bubble that said i'm a grown-ass man <laughs> and then the next panel was just literally a picture of a butt wearing a hat <laughs> and it said i have no arms to hold these tools with of course i want your help <laughs> <laughs> Man, I have no arms. Just a butt with a hat It was so right. Now oh I've got to find which one of my friends posted. Oh, my God. oh. It was so stupid. It's so stupid. I love it so much. <laughs> just remember. Oh, my God. Oh, God. I just... Bit while I was laughing. That was disgusting. Oh, boy. oh my god, this episode's wild. Um so yes, of course, Ellen, she and her friend are arguing, and we cut to Well, she doesn't Encanto. go. Yeah, she doesn't right, go. Right, she I mean she yeah, we leave her with her friend and we cut to Encanto and he's standing outside this restaurant looking all grumpy, holding some flowers, looking at his watch. And finally, uh, he realizes she isn't coming and he leaves and he goes to pick up some, uh, he goes to the prostitute section of town where the streetwalkers are and he picks up a uh, overweight prostitute and all I could, well, hold on, uh, hold that thought. And they go into an, she takes him into an alley. Let's find okay? someplace more comfortable and it's in a grungy, dirty ass like under I've the bridge really 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 horny more than one time in my life i have never been fucking an alley that dirty horny well you have any alley for yet. that matter under a bridge no <laughs> nope no nope not happening time, time um, to do some role play with your wife <laughs> oh nope no, I don't like dirtiness. I don't like to. Ugh, that alley's disgusting. Yeah, it's horrendously awful. Um, and th anyway, they go into the alley, and she's like, 
oh, we can do anything you want, just no kissing. But he starts to attack her, and she rakes some skin off his face. No, his hand. Or his hand, yes, excuse me. Um, but another prostitute with another John comes around the corner, and they discover him over, the, you know, they discover him killing her. And I'm like, did she not? Like, were they just going to, were they going to go into the alley and like do it next to the other? I was thinking the same thing. In that same dirty alley? Like, ew. Yeah, it's like, what? Come on, guys. Have a little bit, put up like a practition or something. Have a little (laughs) self-respect. Go to at least in the back of the car. Um, so yes, uh, the next day they discover this girl or this woman rather that got killed and they're like, can't be the same person like she's all here she's all like she's not like dissolved or anything and they're like well what if they what if he got interrupted what if he didn't because they find the skin under her nails right that got all peeled off and um so they take the body back for autopsy and Scully finds that the woman had the same gooey crap in her airways that did dissolve Lauren. That, okay, this is definitely the same person. And the... Uh, I just remembered. We're, we were wrong. We, th- we said Mulder had the theory really early on. Oh, yeah, because he comes out with the theory now... Because of the Italian, because right, well, because they do the lab report on the victim on the skin under the victim's nails, and they find that it has no oils or fatty yeah. acids at all. I forgot. So this is where Mulder comes up with the theory. That's right. That's right. Forgot all about that. Um, I cannot remember. Um. Oh, yeah, they're going through the the emails that he shared with Lauren. And this is when Mulder finds this weird grouping of obscure Italian medieval poetry. And he compiles. He's like, this is all really super like no one's going to know this stuff unless they work for like a university or something. So they compile. Uh, yeah, they're a like, list. well, he must. He's a very special person. Well, the mm-hmm. the officer is like, oh, so we must be teachers. Like, and Fox is like, well, he's either a teacher, or some sort of scholar, some traveling author. Like, like right? They figure they figure if he like uh, knows all this stuff, he probably is maybe like a traveling professor. So maybe he's new at one of the new colleges and probably worked at colleges in other towns that the other victims were, were found in. So they get on to compiling a list of everyone that might work at the university that would know who did this. And they agree to go door to door uh, to everyone that is on these lists to question them. And so, meanwhile... Back at his building, and Canto goes downstairs to get another package that is being delivered to his apartment, and he runs into his landlord. Well, actually, first he runs yeah. into, well, first he runs into his landlord's daughter, 
um, who is blind and she's like talking to him and the mother comes out and she's like, Jesse, I wish you were nicer to him. And she's like, I don't like him. Like he's weird, mom. Like he smells weird. <laughs> um, which, you know what? If somebody smells weird, you don't have to be around them. You know, <laughs> sage words for 2021 for Matt. If someone smells weird, you don't have to be friends with them. <laughs> Yep. Uh, And um, in Kanto, he goes back upstairs. He gets an email from Ellen, who is like, hey, like, I'm so sorry. Like, I got nervous. Can I, like, explain it to you? Can we go on another date? Um, And then when he is saying yes, Detective Alan Cross shows up at his door to question him. And starts to realize, you know, because he's got this bandage around his hand and everything. Uh, and there was something else, too, right? Like, sweating, he, like a lot of his, sw- it was all the sweating that he yep. was doing. And so uh, Cross starts to suspect him. And, um, well, we find out later that bad things happen to Cross. So Ellen and... Virgil, they go on their date, they have a good time, she explains, and Kaminsky, or uh, rather, Encanto, you know, Virgil, he says to Ellen, oh, you, you want to come inside? And she's like, oh, I, do, I, do, I don't know, I don't know. And then he notices that the light is on in his apartment, and he didn't leave it on, and he's like, oh, never mind, I don't want you to come in. And he you know, hops out of the car and goes inside and uh, it turns out Monica has gone into his apartment. His landlord has just gone ahead and, and broken, her... into, broken into his apartment. Yep. To spy on her crush tenant, her tenant crush. And she finds Alan Cross's dead body in the bathtub. And, of course, that gets her killed because he comes in right as she finds Alan Cross's body in the bathtub. And then Jesse comes in and he's she's like, Mr. Encanto, like, have you seen my mom? And he's like, no, nope, haven't seen her. Don't know what you're talking about. But Jesse, because she's blind and we know she can smell things really good because she said he smelled weird. She smells her mom's perfume in the apartment and she calls the police. And so they go to investigate, but Virgil is gone and they find on his computer an entire list of women he has been contact with. And so they call everybody and are like, hey, like... This is this dude. He's a bad dude. Like, even if he comes over, don't let him in. Like, just keep your door locked. We're going to find him. But Ellen doesn't get that message. Ellen, it gets left on her answering machine because he's already at her apartment. And he is like, okay, this hey. whole interaction was kind of weird from the get go. And I was a little surprised she let him in because mm-hmm. he's like, I was. Because he, like, shows up, knocks on her door, and is like, I'm sorry for how I left things. Uh, if you just let me in, and I can come uh, 
uh, I can explain myself. And she's like, no, it's kind of a little late. And he's like, you don't want, and he immediately gets aggressive about it. Like, you don't mm-hmm. want me to bother the neighbors, do you? At least you stood me up. So at least give me the common courtesy. Uh, yeah, I'm, I let I you like, explain. How about you let me explain? Yeah, it's just like, uh, lady, she probably should not have let him in. <laughs> nope. Nope, but uh, she lets him in, and she's like, oh, hey, like, um, let me just go. I'm in my pajamas. Let me go put on some real clothes. And she goes into her bedroom, and she goes to message her friend, and she gets an alert on her email, I guess, that is a picture of Kaminsky drawn by, you know, the, the facial composite people. And I had to laugh at this because it's so funny to me that it looks so close to him when those facial things. Have you ever seen like um, the drawings that were made when they were trying to catch uh, Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker? Yeah. They look nothing like that dude. And I'm like, okay, though I'm looking at the drawing they had of Virgil and how it looked just like him. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> but, and then he comes into the room and he's like, Hey, what you doing? And she's like, I'm just messaging my friend. I, uh, I'm, not, he's like, I'm not dressed well, yet. I'm not dressed yet. And I'm, I'm making fun of her, but she's in a horrible situation. So I shouldn't yeah. be. And he's like, uh, and he ha- he looks down and he sees his picture on the computer screen and they, they get into a big fight. She tries to protect herself, but he has put the stuff all over her face and she can't breathe. The stuff! <clears throat> the stuff. Uh, so Mulder and Scully arrive and Mulder leaves because he thinks that he saw Incan... Uh, he thinks he saw Virgil and Canto leaving and Scully stays in the apartment because she's got to get this stuff off of um, this digestive stuff off Ellen's face. And she calls for like the special burn unit and everything because it's acid. So she's got burns on her face and she goes into the bathroom to get like a rag or whatever. And Encanto is actually in the bathroom and he attacks Scully and he starts to do like his spit up on her face thing but uh ellen grabs scully's gun off the floor and shoots virgil and canto and uh the episode ends with they're in virgil and canto's cell like his skin is all dried up and flaking because he has no natural oils so he looks like a molting lizard basically and uh, Mulder throws a list down in front of him, and he's like, "These are all the, um, these are all the victims that we can find from around the country that kind of match up to your mo. Tell me which ones are yours." And he looks at the list, and he goes, "All of them. They're all mine." And Mulder's like, "Fine." And he leaves, and Scully. She stays and she's like, you know, you're a monster. He's like, yeah, like, look at me. And she's like, no, like you preyed on these women. You didn't just 
ruin their their body. You didn't just take their take their lives or ruin their bodies. You you preyed on their minds. Like they they were lonely, and he's like, I gave them what they wanted, and they gave me what I needed in return. And the dead are no longer lonely. And uh, that's where, and she walks out, and that's the end of the episode. Well, he says he, I, I think he said something. He says something in Italian. That like I think that her- I, yeah, I think what he says in Italian. I was reading the. That's what he says in Italian. Oh. The dead are no longer lonely. Okay. Uh, I was I was sorry. I had the translation pulled up in front of me. Yeah, because he like says the the Italian version, and like Scully looks so it looks horrified that's yeah that's what she's horrified by is in i get that would have been a better moment if he had actually said it in english so that people didn't need to look up a translation to know why she was horrified but yes his statement was the dead are no longer lonely (laughs) which is that's a pretty horrible statement so yeah i mean it's true but it's also really horrible yeah and yeah, that is too shy. I really like this episode. I mean, it besides the fact of just like yeah, of the times it worked out with the whole, mm-hmm. um, like just putting an awareness of like, hey, you may not know exactly who you're talking to when you go on these sites, um, making it like a monster of the week kind of deal. And I know mm-hmm. there's a, I don't know, there, and also the gross factor that it just made me think of society. I, I think this was a strong episode for the most part. Give me like an A minus. Hmm. Okay. Um. Yeah. I I also like this one a lot. I think it's you know a uh, kind of a regular X file. You know a, a regular kind of quote unquote old fashioned, which is hard, which is a weird thing to say in only the third season, but like a. Just a regular old monster of the week, kind of old-fashioned, finding this weird dude doing this horrible thing, X-Files episode. Uh, Like I said, it's kind of a little bit like uh, Squeeze and Tombs and even a little bit uh, reminiscent of um, Irresistible, which is another episode that involves uh, kind of hunting other people in like a manner like he does so um and even though i like it i do also feel like it is pretty reminiscent of those other episodes which i think makes it for me just a notch down notch or two down from where you are i think this one is about a b for me yep yep so yeah, that one was too shy. Next week is the walk and great song. Uh, <laughs> no, not walk. The walk. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, this is a fairly. Uh, oh yeah, I remember this episode now. I didn't recognize it exactly by title, but I just took a look at the plot synopsis and I'm like, Oh yeah, this one's actually not bad. I actually like next week's uh, pretty interesting look at, um, <clears throat> well, 
pretty interesting look at how being in the army can negatively affect people who leave it with battle scars i'll put it that way not necessarily scar but a very interesting look like I'll emotional say, uh, emotional scars emotional and physical scars okay. and how being in the army can uh damage a person oh cool ptsd episode got uh, a little bit ptsd yeah um yeah kind of yeah that's a good way to put it i don't know why i didn't just come out and say ptsd my mind was there isn't that, but it would not isn't that always the problem like you're in the middle of a mm -hmm. conversation and then yep. like the easiest words that you know you know because this happens to me all the damn time but That's exactly yeah, it. Yeah, you think of the stupid <laughs> versions instead. And the weird thing is, I heard the phrase PTSD today. <laughs> it was it was not the it's not like I hadn't even heard it in a while. It, it, right there. So yeah, that is the walk, and I'm sure we will still make Pantera walk jokes all next week. I know I will. All right, perfect. That's it, everybody. Later. Later. The FBI's Most Unwanted is a production of Two Broke Geeks Entertainment and is part of the Atomic Geekdom Network. Find the flagship Two Broke Geeks podcast wherever you download podcasts or online at twobrokegeeks.com. You can find the Atomic Geekdom Network at atomicgeekdom.com. Our artwork is by Justin Kowalski. You can find him on Twitter at J underscore Rocka. Our theme music is by Tony Longworth. You can find him on Twitter at Tony Longworth or on Facebook, Tony Longworth Dark Composer. You can help out the podcast by subscribing and leaving us a review. Thanks. Thanks.